Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Badass Women's Hour Extra Bits. I'm Natalie Campbell, and this week I was joined by Anna Williamson and Melanie Eusebi. We spoke to Dr. Catherine Hakim about erotic capitalism, Stay tuned to find out more about what it is, who it works for, and why it might be changing society. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Erotic capital, which we'll explain in a moment, um, has a, a lot to answer for. So one of the key stats that everyone should be aware of is that on average, good-looking people, depending on what you determine good-looking to be, earn up to 20% more than others. And there's a reason uh, for this, and there's some science behind it. And on the phone to tell us more is Dr. Catherine Hakim, who is a scientist and has been studying this for a long period of time. So she has all of the facts. She's a social scientist, a pioneering one at that, and also an author. Catherine, hi. Good evening. Good evening. So what is erotic capital for anyone that doesn't know? Well, it's simply a mixture of social and physical attractiveness. We sometimes think someone is simply physically attractive, but actually, unless they have pleasant social manner as well, they're not going to be seen as attractive for very long. And so in most cases, physical and social attractiveness go together. Good manners are incredibly helpful, social skills, charisma. Uh, some people who may be technically fairly ugly can still be very attractive if they have a very nice social manner and if they know how to dress to suit their particular um, shape and uh, use flattering colours and so on. So it's attractiveness in a general way. Catherine, I'm, I'm, so I'm slightly confused because can't things like that, can't this be slightly arbitrary? Is there actually a science to it? Because what one person thinks is attractive and what another person thinks is attractive and what they're willing to pay in said interaction in terms of a, a salary or a pay rise, who knows? How can you How can you even put any insight behind that? Well, what's interesting is that even though people have different personal tastes, like I like blondes and you like brunettes, uh, people generally agree on who is attractive or not. So people agree on who is an attractive brunette or a blonde, despite their personal taste differing. And uh, studies have, there are new studies that are now using digital uh, photography to manipulate photographs to find out what it is that people find most attractive, for example, about a face, a portrait. And they found that facial symmetry conventionality within the culture and 
and even skin tone are the three factors that make someone attractive, irrespective of personal taste. Ooh-wee, conventionality within the culture. What does well, that if mean? You live in Africa, having your hair in plaits and cornrows and various other styles is conventional. Um, in a p- place like Western uh, London, a Western world, where that sort of hairstyle is less common, um, it's more tricky as to whether someone would find it attractive or not, um, and so on. So, I mean, people are obviously influenced by what's conventional in the society and culture that they live in. Um, If wearing your hair very long and uh, right down to your hips is conventional in some societies, as it is, for example, in Vietnam, then that is a major um, attractiveness feature. But that would be regarded as slightly odd or unusual in, in London. So, uh, Catherine, can you talk us through the the core of what your research was and and what you found? Well, people tend to take it for granted that people who are attractive do better in dating and mating and marriage markets. Um, You know, it's easier to meet someone if you're a handsome man or a beautiful girl and you have fewer problems getting dates and so on and beautiful and handsome people tend to marry younger and more quickly and so on. Uh, But what I found interesting is that attractiveness also has huge value in the labor market. People who, there's this uh, very scattered throughout different disciplines, but there's an awful lot of research, economics, sociology, social psychology, experimental psychology in particular, that show that people react differently to people who are attractive. And it's completely subconscious. They're not aware that they're doing it. And even people who are experienced uh, professional interviewers who say, I never take any account of how a person looks when I'm doing job interviews. I only focus on their experience, their qualifications, you know, relevant uh, items. Even people like that are subconsciously, unconsciously influenced by someone being an attractive person and they are 10 to 20 percent more likely to say they should be hired. There are lots of raised eyebrows in the studio as you as you were talking. So why did you go why did you go on the journey of of this piece of research? What was it that um, you know caught your eye or, or what was the thing that you were really trying to dig into? Well, I was just trying to find out. I mean, I came across some studies showing that it had um, an effect in the labour market, and I was just trying to establish just how important it was. And then a whole pile of people who are political scientists started writing to me. I published an academic article, which got a lot of attention from academics. And they started writing to me saying, you have no idea, you haven't even begun to scratch the surface of it. It's much more important and much wider than you realize. And political scientists wrote to me saying, you've missed the impact in politics. For example, they've done studies using actual politicians, their photographs um, in um, campaigns, and uh, checked the... They've had a panel of people assess the attractiveness of each of the politicians um, to come up with a score, and then they've looked at the uh, votes that they got, and they have shown that... Systematically, in all European, North American 
um, contests. Um, these are political contests for, for for public office, but also, for example, uh, people voting for people onto a committee or things like that. They found that attractive people are 15% more likely to get voted in. That means they get 15% more votes than if they were not attractive. And that's exactly the same as the average of what I'm saying is the economic return is between 10 and 15%. Well, the average is 15%. And it's the same. It's a social benefit, if you like, in politics that people vote for you, choose you, prefer you. And it's the same benefit that you see uh, in an earnings markup. And then I started looking at the social psychology research, and it shows that, you know, even it starts even at childhood with children, people will react to a child in a much more positive way if the child is beautiful, attractive, pretty, mm -hmm. and they will help that child, they will give it attention, they will tolerate tantrums, um, you know, if it's lost, they'll look after it and so on. So people who are attractive right from childhood grow up in a totally different social environment because even strangers will be nice to them. The model Jerry Hall is quoted in one of her interviews as saying, life is very easy if you're attractive, everybody wants to help you. And that's the key thing. People remember you if you're attractive, and they remember you in a positive way. So if you phone them up, you know, even months later, they will remember you, and if you ask them for help, they will help you. Whereas if you're not attractive, they probably won't remember you. And so it's just an enormous leg up. It gives you an edge. I think that, you know, this, in our current climate, it, 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 there's, a, there's a tension here, and... Uh, how do movements like Me Too play into the research that you've done and, and what you're saying about erotic capital and, and, and the tension of, um, I guess, attractiveness at work and in life and in politics? OK, the key problem here is that you're assuming I'm saying this is about women. It's not about women. It's True. about yep. people. Mm -hmm. Men earn more from their attractiveness in certainly in North America um, than women do. And the problem that I was pointing up in my book, Honey Money, published by Penguin, is that why is it that women are earning less on average from being attractive than men are? Okay. We don't have any problem at all about David Beckham posing pretty well naked in Armani underpants and earning millions from uh, being effectively a model. I understand from the press that he has earned more from being a model than he has from his main career as an athlete. Similarly, we don't object to George Clooney making millions from advertising a coffee machine and basically on the basis that he's a very attractive man. But we object to women earning more because they're attractive. This is the sticking point in the Western world, and it, it's, to my mind, it's a Puritan um, ethic that says women should never exploit their attractiveness, and the whole Me Too thing is really a, 
a red herring attention because it's about something else. It's about uh, male uh, sexual interest in women and uh, the male sexual deficit and so on. So that's really a completely separate thing. Um, men who are going to harass women are going to do it whether they're attractive or not attractive. Obviously, mostly it's the attractive ones. But the point I'm making is simply that women have this big chip on their shoulder about ever trying to exploit or capitalize on their good looks. And recently we had the grid girls in Formula One being fired because mm -hmm. that was supposed to be retrograde. Um, and uh, the walk-on girls for the darts competition being fired because that was retrograde. But actually the reality is that in the 21st century, looks matter even more than they ever did in the past. And that their importance both in private life but also in the workplace and uh, public life is increasing over time and men know that and men use it but women think oh this is immoral oh I'm not allowed to do this and that's a patriarchal ideology that says women can't exploit it. So Catherine you know as I'm listening to you I'm flitting backwards and forwards because I do accept that people that are more attractive earn more I do ex definitely accept that actually flirting and uh, what you determine to be sexual banter in the workplace has its place I am personally not offended by it but actually it's a really thin line between stating a dynamic between men and men women and women men and women and then saying that actually Actually, you know, people should get over infidelity. So, you know, one of the points is that you also believe that France handles affairs better. And I guess our puritanical way of thinking about things means that we don't, um, you know, we we basically have have the wrong approach. So it'd be really useful if you could explain that. Um, but you also say that by putting all men in the Weinstein, ca Weinstein camp, we crush the power of erotic capital. And so I think we need to understand what erotic capital is so that everyone benefits from it and not just a small few. Well, I think the Weinstein thing is a completely separate thing. I don't think it's got anything to do with it. Um, uh, you know, he just happened to be a very wealthy, very powerful man who um, was able to um, prey on young women who were attractive because he was effectively blackmailing them by pretending he might offer them a job in a film, um, a role in a film, and therefore get, make them both wealthy and famous. Uh, but that's a separate thing. Um, On the point of affairs and in France, ultimately um, dealing with it better. There is simply, um, that's really a completely separate book again, um, which is about the increase in... Um, non-marital sexuality, both premarital and extramarital and so on. And it there's in the Purit in the Puritan Northern European countries, and particularly uh, Britain and North America, you get a very um, straight-laced Puritan attitude of any kind of infidelity is completely unacceptable and it destroys a marriage. And the continental European attitude is this is something everybody does if they ever have the chance and uh, marriage is for life and you don't break up a good Hold marriage. On. Are you saying that there is a better attitude? 
Yes, from... it's a definite. Well, in my view, it's a bit. There's a, you have a choice between serial monogamy, with all the problems that you have from getting married and divorced and married and divorced and married and divorced, or you have one permanent long-term marital relationship, and you are much more tolerant and turn a blind eye to either partner, and it's usually both of them at different times in their their life, a long marriage, um, having other uh, entertainment. Anna, you're married. Where are you on this, love? Um, uh, I would be absolutely furious. Um, I, 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 I believe in the sanctity of marriage. I'm not frank, furious with you. I'd like to point out, Catherine, but I, with, but with that whole notion, yeah, I believe very much in uh, in the sanctity of my marriage, and um, and I, I, I do appreciate what Catherine is saying, you know, and I, I hear what she's saying, but I don't agree with it um, with regards to sort of the marriage side of things. Mel, as a social scientist. The thing is, I, I I keep on thinking about erotic capital and, well, the term exploiting erotic capital. Because erotic capital, if we're saying that it's physical and social attractiveness, then it's almost akin to privilege, something that you're given that you've done nothing for. And I, I think about not not just about in the gender sphere in terms of the, the how we've been speaking about it in this call, but that physical and social attractiveness in regards to race, in regards to class and social manner, in regards to ability, um, basically in regards to any of the protected characteristics mm-hmm. of this country, it feels like why would I tell people to exploit their whiteness or exploit their, you know, their ability um, in relation to people who do not have the same thing and then therefore are disadvantaged and are getting paid less and getting less opportunity. That's I think that's the, the deeply problematic but th- you philosophical. That it happens. Oh, I accept that definitely it happens, but I would not ever advocate for someone to exploit a privilege that they have not worked for, that they were just afforded for by virtue of their well, birth. Actually you've got to uh, recognize that being attractive is not something that, you know, is the hand of God that descends on you and it's got nothing to do with you. Um, Being intelligent is exactly the same. 50% of intelligence is genetic. 50% of intelligence is due to education and training. And uh, being attractive is exactly the same. 50% of it might be good genes. But the other 50% is um, hard work, uh, maintaining a good figure, uh, keeping fit, uh, bothering to go to the hairdresser to get an attractive haircut, choosing clothes that are in flat colours rather than ugly colours, knowing how to, uh, developing your social skills and your ability to relate to people in a pleasant manner, that is something that requires effort on your part rather than something that has just sort of landed on you unexpectedly. So um, being attractive is is something that requires effort and attention. Um, Even someone like uh, Ivanka Trump, you know, she dyes her hair, for example, blonde. It's not something that was just naturally born that way. And so you're, you're making an assumption that uh, these things are a privilege. They're not. They're hard work. They're achieved. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that it's an assumption. I would say that there are measures of attractiveness that are well scientifically documented in regards to a waist-to-hip ratio, in regards to length and color of hair and, and color of eyes. And quite frankly, it's almost scientifically impossible for a person of kind of Afro-Caribbean heritage to actually inherit them. So I think 
I, I understand where you are coming from in regards to the, the research, the, exa- the research. But I do think that there is certainly a little bit more that we can explore in regards to social norms of attractiveness that have absolutely nothing to do. Like there's only so much I can do to turn myself into what is socially acceptable in Britain. Well, it's an issue when it plays out within society fundamentally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think the book Honey Money is why attractiveness is the key to success. The title alone is suggesting, Catherine, that you're trying to give women tips and advice um, to help them get ahead, or not just women, also men, but help people get ahead. And again, there's part of me that I, I get it. But fundamentally, what you're saying is, is that if you don't conform to that standard of attractiveness, you're just not going to do as well. And that is the thing that doesn't sit well with me, as Melanie mentioned, around privilege. It's it's uncomfortable, isn't it? And as you say, I find myself flip-flopping and then I hear what Mel says and I'm just like, yeah, like completely. It's... It's a real talking point, and I mean, Doctor Doctor Haken, you know, speaks speaks well, um, but yet I, it's not often I'm speechless, now and yeah. I'm sort of sat here going, I'm uncomfortable. One, two, three, four. This has been Badass Women's Hours Best Bits. Uh, if you liked it, please do rate, review and subscribe us. We love that. Five stars. Um, or come chat to us on social media. You can find us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour. Or come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter. At Emma Sexton. And at Natty Campbell. And we'll be here again next week, same time, same place. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.